Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. The first Sunday of NFL season is here, and the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1, that's $1, on any football game this weekend and received $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. So that's right. DraftKings is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 in any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit, withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner in the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. Taylor? The Sabres have made some moves in the front office as they have added two scouts who are seemingly going to be overseas, as well as hiring an assistant general manager in Mark Jakubowski, who was formerly vice president of hockey administration. John Vogel had that earlier in the day today. Any thoughts just to start off the show with these new additions? Well, first of all, the moves everyone's been waiting for. Yep. Again. Breath. <laughs> Thank God. So... This guy, what would his relationship with Carmanos be? Would he be like Carmanos as Pierre? I guess. Probably, yeah. Teams have two general man or two assistant general managers. Oh, that makes sense. That's good. And it, it seems that's kind of just a role change, but yeah, that's good. So it's good to see them filling out their scouting department, actually. You know, there's a, a having full scouts season. is in fact a good thing. Yes. Yes. We're very close to a, an actual full season of junior hockey and college hockey and international hockey coming up unlike last year so you know it's important to have people to actually watch those games and follow those guys so that's you know it's nice it's nice to see them you know it's i don't want to give them too much credit because it's like it we're taking like a year and a half here to put together an actual front office you know shouldn't be that hard that should be like a a couple month endeavor right exactly exactly i mean 
it's what they needed to do. They should have done it last season. I guess, you know, I don't know if you can necessarily say cut them some slack because you still could have been scouting over there. Uh, and it seems like they had a pretty decent draft this year. That remains to be seen. Obviously, we'll know more about that in the next couple of years once we start to see some of these guys, you know, playing in the NHL, coming over, especially like the Russian guys who we had taken this year. But a good move, I guess, you know, it's really a matter of time before uh, we can really make a determination on whether these are good hires either. So we will we will see. But you had uh, made a note there, Taylor, the move we've all been waiting, uh, waiting for. Of course, obviously, the, the second assistant GM hire was what you had referred to. But there's another move that I don't know if you heard about, um, but Jack Eichel is still a Buffalo Saber. Were you aware of this? Who is that? Who? Jack Eichel. Oh, yeah. I remember him from a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy with the curly hair. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, well, he, I, you can you can forgive me for forgetting he's only played uh I think 22 games in the past 18 months. Yeah, that would that would be fair. That's understandable. Well, he is still a Buffalo Saber, and it recently came out to uh through a podcast that I'm trying to find the name of, but I am unable to at this moment. But that recently interest had picked up again on the duck side of things, but they had no interest in moving Jamie Drysdale, Mason McTavish, who was just their third overall pick or Trevor Zegras for Eichel. We've talked about this so many times, so many times. I cannot understand. And we've said it in the context of the Rangers too. I cannot understand how anybody can look at a trade like this and say, okay, we're going to be getting an MVP caliber player who would be easily the best player on our team by far and will be for the foreseeable future. But we really don't want to give up any of our good young players to get him like, make it make sense. I mean, I get it that there are concerns about Eichel when it comes to the next surgery. I understand. I get it. But if you are interested in acquiring this guy, it is because you have the belief that you are going to be able to figure out this whole next situation you know, if you think that it's a lost cause and that there's no way that he's going to be able to, to play again or play at the same level, then what are you making the call for? So for these teams, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know that there is some perceived risk involved with acquiring him. However, with that being said, you're making those calls because you know that you're going to be able to work this out. And as I had said uh, a couple episodes ago, uh, believe it or not, I am not a doctor crazy. I know folks, I am not a doctor. However, though, I have like, we'll, we'll call it like 85% confidence that he's going to come back at full health and he's going to be as good as he was prior to this past season before these injuries started accumulating. And of course I am talking again about the neck and also the rib as well. Yeah. Is his rib not healed? I mean, how can it heal if it's not there? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he might need to get a new one of those. He may. A rib replacement, if you will. I can Who forgive knows him if for he not it, though. You know, some people, he should have checked with doctors, but I can I can see thinking, like, do I really need all 12 of these? or 20? How many ribs do you have? 24 or 12 on each side? Once yeah, again, I, so. I am not a doctor. I am, but I, I keep forgetting. Dr. Nigel. One of those things. So... Am I crazy though for oh, thinking yeah. this, that it's, I mean, obviously we know it's preposterous, these ridiculous proposals that have been thrown out there, but at the end of the day though, like when we're being serious about this, is it not a, like ridiculous, not even kind of ridiculous, a completely and utterly 
just insane that these teams aren't willing to top or to part with their top prospects when they when we, again we've made this point several times too the prospects in question here them hitting their absolute peak absolute best of the best of their projection from when they were drafted and where they stand right now is what Jack Eichel is. I love Trevor Zegras. Trevor Zegras is the, and for myself, and I'm sure probably everybody else almost listening to this is the number one realistic young player that I want in return for Jack Eichel top of the list easily. I don't think though, at his absolute peak, Trevor Zegras is what Jack Eichel is. And that's okay because you're not going to get that return back. But if you can recoup a guy who, again, is a top tier center prospect who, yeah, maybe he doesn't have the the two-way ability of taking over games in the way Jack does, but he has the elite playmaking ability that Jack does and the vision in the offensive zone that Jack does. Like your best case scenario is that he even scratches the surface of what Jack Eichel is right now. Yep. Yep. So that's, I mean, I, I can't, well, I, I don't even try to think about it from Anaheim's perspective. Maybe they don't, I don't know. I don't know what they want to do or what their plan is, or if they think they're going to be good. I'm looking at it from this perspective. If I'm Kevin Adams, they're saying they don't want to give these guys up, then go to hell. What do I care? I don't even want Drysdale. It's like one of the two biggest pieces in the mm-hmm. trade. It's not like I don't believe in him or whatever, but like we have too much young stock invested in defensemen as it is. And, you know, I like scoring. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, this should be easy. And it should be easy for both sides, I think. Zegris, Comtois, 2022 first, and then a conditional 2023 first. If they make at least a second round of the playoffs, something like that, it's a first. If not, it's a second. How hard is that? Just do that. It should be easy. It should be. And and that even look at the other teams who are involved. I mean, when you want to talk about the Rangers, I'm sorry, but there's nobody on the Rangers. I don't care about Alexis Lafreniere. He's not going to be as good as Eichel is. I think he will be good. I I mean, you know, we've talked about the the delusions that Rangers fans have that Capo Caco isn't up to to Eichel's standard. Well, we have have to clarify now. He's the bad Capo Caco. Caco is the other one. What's that? The other one is Kakanin. It is? It is. I thought it was just Capo Caco. No, it's Capo Kakanen. K-H-K-O-N-E-N. Damn, okay, never mind. Or something like that, but yes. Okay. But he well, is either way, yes, he is still the bad Capo Caco. We could still go with that. <laughs> there but isn't a good one the, yet, then. You look at the Rangers. You look at other teams who've been involved, too. Like, Montreal is another one where you have at the top of their pipeline, it, well, not pipeline necessarily, but, like, their young studs. It's Suzuki and Caulfield. Uh, look at LA. I mean, Quentin Byfield, I know he's kind of really at the top tier here too, but it's the same thing. Like Byfield, like you're, you're talking about a guy who finished in the top 10 of MVP voting two years ago when he was fully healthy. Like yep. you, if Byfield does that, he overperforms his draft position and his draft projection, I should say. Yeah. And I think Byfield, that, that trade, it kind of makes sense. Like if you're the Kings, are, are you trying to win now? Like, I know they were rebuilding, but, like, I couldn't help but notice you still have Kopitar, Brown, and Dowdy on the team. Mm-hmm. And qu- quick, they still have quick, right? Am I mistaken, or do they, they do. just – No, they do. Okay. okay, so you have four guys from the last time you were good seven years ago. Why are they still there? Do you want to win while they're still there, particularly Kopitar, who's one of the ones who's actually still good? If you do, then you might want to upgrade uh, to Eichel. If you're confident he can play still, which you, I mean, why wouldn't you be? 
instead of Byfield. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Byfield looks like a really good prospect, second overall pick by all accounts. He's ready to come up and maybe make an impact right away. Not the kind of impact Eichel is going to make. We watch this. I mean, best case scenario for, for Byfield in all likelihood is let's say he is Eichel. That means he's kind of a, a zero on one half of the ice for a while, produces pretty well on one side, but isn't a great possession guy, and then finds that over the course of three to four years, like most guys do. You start to score before you really start to be a good all-around player. Yep. So, I mean, if you're waiting three years for Byfield to be that guy or for Turcotte to be what he's going to be or whoever else you're excited about, I'm sorry, like <laughs> – those Good other guys luck. are done. I mean, Dowdy and Brown are already, you know, a little long in the tooth. And then, and then Brown had like that magical late career resurgence though, where he's actually like not falling off a cliff anymore. Dowdy. True, true. Yeah. Yeah. But still, you're, it's, the point still stands. They're all in their thirties. Yeah. And they just signed Arvidsson and they just got one more person. Right? Philip Deneau. Got, Philip Deneau. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can win over the next three years or you can wait for Byfield to get good. Yep. Meanwhile, we're not going to win anyway. So Michael does us no good. Right. What are we waiting for? Just yeah. done. Unbelievable, Taylor. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah. where do we even go from? I, I, I don't even know. I feel like we're kind of just circling around these like three or four teams and it's just over and over and over again until somebody's going to pull the trigger and actually give them a serious offer. And, and for what it's worth, I know you and I both, you know, because I think that there's there's definitely a lot of nuance when we look at Kevin Adams place in all of this, because it is completely understandable for anybody. And I know you and I have talked about this for wanting just Eichel to be gone and, and getting this over with not having this bleed in training camp and not having Eichel be around the young guys when he's, you know, quite frankly, has been acting not great, we'll call it really throughout this entire process since the injury started and his, his unhappiness became publicly unknown, you know, through his own doing, you know, but with that being said, if Adams is really just getting these trash offers over and over again, and and these teams are really that unwilling to part with even one of their top players, you can't blame the guy for not pulling the trigger on this. You really can't. I don't want this to bleed into the season either, but at the same time, you know, if these guys are just screw- or these other GMs are just screwing around and they're not actually being serious about it at the same time of wanting Michael gone, it's also, you know, I completely understand Adam's not making that move yet. So I guess my, my question to you, Taylor, to kind of wrap this up is, you know, do you think that it's more important that they get Eichel out of the building and out of the franchise before training camp starts than it is, for Kevin Adams to maybe sit and wait and see if there's the potential for a better trade package to come along in the near future, or even in the, in the more distant future, you know, cause that's up in the air at this point. What, what do you think is more important at this stage of the game? Right. Trade package. Agreed. Yeah. So one other interesting thing is actually happening this week in Buffalo sports. The bills are playing. Oh, the good team. Yeah. So I mean, I don't think we have any real special insights on the Bills, but there's one thing I wanted to point out that I think is like good and kind of rare for Buffalo sports is like good continuity. The Sabres haven't had continuity since Lindy Ruff. Even his tenure in the Sabres spanned a bunch of different eras. But since he's been gone, obviously we've had a lot of coaches, a lot of GMs. We've had four different ownership groups in our life. And you and I in particular remember three different ownership groups. It's a lot. And the only really long tenured guys on the Sabres 
uh, have been like, Jesus, this guy's still here. Ristolainen has played this long. Gergensen has played this long. It's never good when someone's there that long this past decade. Yeah. And that was true. The bills too. It was like, well, why do we still have Josh Reed? <laughs> what are we still doing with this guy? Uh, Chris Kelsey guys like that. Wow. But I'm looking at this, the roster right now. And it's like, Jerry Hughes is going into his ninth year with the bills. That's he's been here for a while. And like the other free agents we've had, like Beasley's third year, Poyer's fifth year, Micah Hyde's fifth year, Star Lutulule, he took a year off, but at four years, I guess would be the, the way to look at it. We still have Mitch Morris. We have continuity at center. Uh, Diggs is only in his second year, but then looking at guys we've actually drafted, Trey's fifth year here, first round pick that we're actually keeping. That used to be kind of rare. Milano's fifth year here, and he's uh, he'll be here for a while after that on his new contract. Uh, Taiwan Jones has been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, not someone we drafted, but he's been a, a special teams guy. Deion Dawkins, fifth year here. Uh, Harrison Phillips, fourth year here. That, that kind of flew by. I know he had missed some time with injury. Taron Johnson's fourth year. Edmonds, fourth year. Allen's fourth year. McDermott's fifth year. Uh, Bean's f- fourth year, I believe. Leslie Frazier's fifth year. Dabble's fourth year? Yeah, fourth year for Dabble. And then you have guys like, I mean, Guys that have been here for three years, like Singletary, Oliver, Dawson Knox, Cody Ford. Like there is like actual continuity with like most of the roster. And it's just really cool to not have to turn over a big segment of the roster. Like the only thing I can really look at and be like was kind of last year was a run game because the defense didn't have the best year, but it happens with defenses in the 21st century. They're not consistently good every year. So I have faith that with all the talent on defense that they will actually be good or better this year than they were last year. But how about that? I mean, how many guys on the team are even new this year? Punter's new. Hack. Yep. Uh, um, who, else, who else is new? Matt Breida, their third string running back. Yeah, he's new. Emmanuel Sanders, their number two yeah. receiver. Um, they're, ro- they're rookies. Uh, yeah but your point is absolutely right i mean it's the good kind of continuity that we we have not known and not even which is with the bills or just in general buffalo sports you know it's great to see it's exciting and the good part about that is is that a lot of these names that you were just going through guys who are here in their like fourth or fifth year right now the vast majority of them aren't even 30 yet like Mm-hmm. Micah Hyde is a seasoned vet in the league, but he's got to be what only 28 or 29, right? Like he's not at 30. Mm, I bet he's in his thirties. Cause he you had four years so? of Packers before he got here. Hold on, I bet he's at least 30. I think he's only like 28 or 29. Oh, he's 30 on the dot. Okay. Yeah. He, uh, wow. He was born on new year's Eve. So he'll be 31, but yeah, either way, uh, even elsewhere, then looking at, at some of the other names that you had mentioned there. I mean, the core of this team on the offensive side of the ball comes down to Josh and Diggs. Those guys are both below. Uh, Diggs is 26. Josh is 24. I think looking on the other side of the ball, you're the, the centerpiece of your defense and, and Trey white is only, I believe 24 right now or 25. Um, you know, Tremaine Edmonds, again, he, even him with being here now for as long as Josh has been, and he's even younger than Josh too. Um, you know, it, it's, really nice to see. And then even looking at some of the other like younger pieces too, of guys who are going to be entering like their third year here and who have a huge opportunity to step up second or third year for that matter. Thinking about guys like Devin Singletary, obviously Zach Moss too in that, but 
you have Gabriel Davis, who had a, a nice little coming out party last year, surprise rookie year. He is in line to hopefully take a pretty big step this year, even though his place on the depth chart is pretty much the same. You have to still think, though, that he's going to get more chances this year on top of what he did last year. But then beyond that, on the other side of the ball, I mean, this is a huge year for Ed Oliver. He has a big opportunity here now heading into his third season that I'm really excited to see what he has to offer for them this year. And if he's going to be able to fully kind of reach his potential now, you know, I remember at the time of him, of them drafting him, everybody was like freaking out because he fell way further than people thought he should. And he definitely started to put it together last season, but I think this year is really going to be the one where we're going to see the guy that he is moving forward. Um, you know, it's so another guy who we've heard a lot of good things about, at least in training camp so far is AJ Espinenza, Espinenza, right? Espinenza. Yeah. Yeah. Him too. Like this is a, you know, he's only entering into his second year now, but how much, I mean, how often have we heard in training camp, how, how much better he looks and how he seems like he's poised to have a breakout year this year, you know? And then on top of that, the rookies like coming in this year too, like Rousseau and Basham. I mean, we're, we're talking about two guys who could end up playing a, a huge role on this defense. When we both thought, not both, when we thought both of them, everybody thought both of them was going to, it was more of a developmental thing, but in the preseason, they were looking pretty damn good and looking like they can contribute and play right now and contribute on the NFL level. So I'm really excited for what this season has to offer. And I know that because it's Buffalo and, you know, the last year with COVID and, and players missing, people were like thinking, you know, people can call it a flu call, whatever you want, but I am so confident in this team. It's like a little scary, honestly, but it's mostly fun because I love being able to talk shit and back it up. Absolutely. And I, I think to get like to what you said there, what I'm really excited about on defense is like having a pass rush again would be awesome. They didn't yes. really have that last year and hopefully seeing more of those young guys, more of Jerry Hughes and hopefully like star coming back. He takes on the role he had in like 2019 when they really could get after the quarterback. I mean, if you could do that, that's goes a long way in the playoffs. I mean, look at the way the chiefs got after Allen and then somehow didn't go, get after Brady at all. But the way the, the bucks really got after Mahomes, like that really slowed Mahomes down. And that's exactly, I mean, he's, He's the guy people are most worried about with good reason. Well, who slowed him down a lot? The Patriots in 2018 slowed him down a little bit in the AFC championship game, at least for the first half with their pass rush. The 2019 49ers slowed him down for three quarters with their pass rush until but three quarters in like six minutes. And then, you know, got tired or something. And then looking back at like the Super Bowl last year, or the other teams that have beaten them, like get after them. I mean, that's not, it's not rocket science. And they'll have a better offensive line this year too. They, I think they have almost entirely new starters, but still the, the, the point remains mm-hmm. it's an opportunity to get after them. Big, big um, opportunity here. Anyway, I think it's reasonable to think they won't go like 14, three or whatever, like replicate last year's record, but with one extra week, you know, they could have more injuries. They could have worse luck. They might not win close games like they did last year. Who knows? They could have more turnovers. They could have some regression from Allen. They'll just be Maybe 13 and four. That's fair, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I just mean like, I'm sh- certain they're going to be good. So mm-hmm. if they're like 12 and five or 11 and six, they'll be in the playoffs and they'll have what maybe a team that goes 13 and four or 14 and three might not have, which is potentially a pass rush and definitely a passing game that can win in the playoffs. Now we'd like, you know, that's the other thing. I'd like to see them prove that more. They're, 
the passing game was great against the Colts, not so much in the last two playoff games. So I'd like to see that from them. Yeah, absolutely. Are you doing any fantasy f- football this year? Yeah, I'm doing two leagues, yeah, actually. No. My, I, one of the leagues is my 13th year in it. 13th year? Come on. Yeah. You. I've won it upwards of two times, which is actually more than than more than average. So that's good. That's good. Yeah, you no, know? that's really good. That's awesome. I had my dynasty draft yesterday. It's my first time I ever did one before. Oh. It actually went really well. People were, I mean, and I get it, like, you know, jumping on quarterbacks, but it's a PPR league. And I didn't take a quarterback in the first two rounds. And I ended up getting, I was the sixth overall pick and Christian McCaffrey fell to me who's he's only 24 years old or 25. And then in the second round, I got Saquon, which like having those two being my running backs in a PPR dynasty league. I don't know if I am like overvaluing my team, but like, that is really nice. And I ended up getting Stefan Diggs and Chris Godwin as my, uh, as my top two receivers too. My quarterback situation is a little mad. I thought I was going to be able to get Trey Lance, but uh, one of the teams that was picking right before, like all the teams had already picked a quarterback and like by like the fifth round or whatever. And I was about to take Trey Lance, but I realized when it was coming back around that I was going to be able to get um, either Justin Fields or Trey Lance and not have to worry about it. And I was like, all right, whatever. Like, nobody's going to take two quarterbacks in the first four rounds. So I'm just going to take Kyle Pitts right now. And I did. So I have Kyle Pitts too, which is pretty nice. And somebody took the, the dude with the first overall pick who took Patrick Mahomes first overall, then in the third and fourth round took Justin Fields and Trey Lance back to back in this for like in the snake draft. So it screwed me. So I ended up Baker Mayfield as my starter, which is a gamble to say the least. And then I got Mac Jones, unfortunately, as a backup to hopefully trade someday because that man will not be on my team. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. dynasty football. I've never done, I've done basketball, but it seems hard because it's like, I'm not confident any of the guys you mentioned will be good in four years, except the quarterbacks. Yeah. And even then you can only be so confident. I mean, right. 2015 you don't know if Justin Fields or Trey Lance are even going to be good or Max well, that's Jones. true. But I mean, yeah. like most quarterbacks that are good, aren't just good for one year, but like in 2015, if you're doing this draft going into the 2016 season, you might take cam newton first overall yeah and that would have been a big mistake because he basically didn't have a year that would have made it worth it at all after that no that's definitely fair i feel like i I at least like my chances better though with with mccaffrey and and with barkley obviously the injury concerns are a thing but in mccaffrey's case last year was the only time that he had missed time in the regular season i believe um that like that was the first like his prior three years before that he did not miss any time Saquon, I know his injury was pretty, pretty scary last year, but who else the Giants going to give the ball to? Like they, they drafted him so high, like they are clearly investing everything they have in him. So I don't know. I feel good about it at least. And I mean, Stefan Diggs give my, gives my team unlimited swagger. So I don't really need to worry about anything else after that. Captain Stefan Diggs, that is. That's right. Captain Diggs. Captain Diggs. Who do you think uh, – do you, do you have any idea who you think your playoff teams will be in the AFC this year? The Bills. That's all that matters. That's true. <laughs> no, I would say the Bills, um, the Browns, uh, the Ravens, Chiefs, obviously. And then 
I don't know. I feel like it's hard to count out the Steelers. Like, we'll see what they are. I mean, they have to figure out what's going on with TJ Watt first. Hopefully he doesn't play this week, but like he'll be there sooner or later. Um, I know that people are like, you know, trying to come down on the bills and I'm sure that there's probably a certain level of bias in this, but like, I don't know. I, I don't know if any of the other AFC East teams are going to end up making it. I think the chargers could maybe surprise people because Justin Herbert is going to be really good. Um, so maybe he ends up willing them into like the last wild card spot. And then I don't know. I mean, I don't, you know, out West, I don't think that the Broncos or the Raiders are going to, you know, blow the doors off or anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think actually, no, I did name seven teams there. Who do you got in the AFC? I think I go division winners, bills. Hmm. This is interesting, but I'm going to say they keep getting better and the Browns also win their division, mm-hmm. which would, I think be the yeah. first time they've done that in the, since they've come back as the new Browns, the chiefs keep it rolling. And the Titans, I mean, who else in that? Division? Oh, the Titans. Duh. I forgot about the South. Yeah. Yeah. The Titan, no one else can win that division. So then the wild cards, I still like the Ravens despite their injuries. So the Ravens would be one of the wild cards, uh, the chargers with our, our friend, Justin Herbert, the pac 12, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately I think the Patriots are back. That means I'm leaving the dolphins out. I, really, I know the Dolphins thing is tough because they really did look good a lot of last year. Yeah, they did. I mean, it all is going to fall on Tua at this point. Yeah, I'm not sure about Tua. The, the big thing that sold me on the Patriots over the Dolphins, two things. Tua should be obvious. The other thing, there's a big factor that I think a lot of Bills fans are forgetting about. And a lot of people and that the uh, Patriots are not remembering. missing a lot of people last year. Not really. Not even just that. Is that Bill Belichick is still the coach of the Patriots. And I know people think, oh, that's dumb after last year, but I don't know. Think about last year with like 10% more context as it comes as it relates to the Buccaneers and the Patriots and their respective circumstances. And then uh, I don't know. I'm not that scared of Brian Flores yet. No, I hear you. I hear you. Well, it seems like a sad, but good place to wrap up, I guess. Go bills. Uh, <laughs> any last thoughts you want to share Taylor before we sign off for the day? Yeah. How come no one's talking about the matchup of the week? I mean, the Jets are playing Sam Darnold week one wow. and nobody cares. Here we go. Sam Darnold revenge tour getting underway. <laughs> Can't wait. Or the other way around. The Jets get revenge. Jets to revenge tour. Okay. That's fair. I, I think it's more Darnold in this instance personally, but then if you have Adam Gase as a coach for any point of your career, then you're the one who deserves to get revenge. Yeah. Anyway, who's going to be the first quarterback from the 2018 class to win the Super Bowl? I think I'm going to say Josh Allen. I think, uh, yeah, he's the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills. That's who. Maybe Josh Rosen will do it. He might, man. That would have been a funny answer if he was like the third quarterback on a good team. But unfortunately, he's about to be the backup for Atlanta, isn't he? I think third, but yeah, that's what I mean. They're going to go like five and 12. There we go. Maybe they'll be okay. Maybe they'll be like seven and 10. Yeah. Well, time will tell. We will see. 
With that being said, though, everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Savers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. Make sure you're checking out the Hockey Podcast Network online at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, make sure that you are checking out our sponsor, DraftKings, and using the promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. Once again, that's promo code THPN. Make sure you are using that at checkout. We'll be back with a new episode on Monday. In the meantime, though, everybody, have a great rest of your weekend and go Bills. Bills.